0: evening and welcome to the Mary trip show and tonight we have an ask me anything within reason and what's always what i always find interesting about the questions i get from you guys is that they are always within reason so thank you for that uh anyway let's let's hop right to it Uh, i'm gonna sure it's gonna be a little short tonight but i want to get as much as we can um from Tanya in Oakland, California. What's your take on saving Silicon Valley Bank? When are we going to start focusing on the people instead of institutions? Well, it's not its not as simple as saving the bank. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, and let's be clear. I'm not an economist. I don't really have much interest in financial institutions per se, um, except that I absolutely believe they need to be regulated and depositors to banks need to be protected, which they, for the most part, are. Uh, the Fed- Federal Deposit Insurance something, FDIC, uh, insures deposits up to, it used to be 100000 and it has been raised to $250,000. Not that many people have more than that in a in their savings or checking accounts, right? So um the real question here is why we keep letting our politicians get away with deregulating institutions that can do enormous harm, not just to individuals, but to uh, the global financial situation. Um in, it will surprise absolutely no one that during the Trump administration, when banks put pressure on the Republican-led Senate, they pushed through the deregulations of small and medium banks, of which Silicon Valley and Signature Bank in New York is one. I actually have $340 in Signature Bank. I wonder if I'm ever going to see it again. Um The argument being that small to medium-sized banks can't really do any harm. Well, (laughs) apparently that's not true because we went just went through the last couple of days worried that there was going to be a chain reaction. And I think Credit Suisse was the first bank that um, looked a little wobbly. The markets tanked for a little while. The ship seems to have been righted, but this should be... A moment where we re-evaluate the approach to bank regulation and get it right. So, you know, um, there's a point at which you don't want to you don't want to continue to enable uh banks like Silicon Valley that just weren't doing business properly. I mean, they did not diversify their holdings. I I don't know exactly. The percentage but it looks like they invested almost entirely in treasury bills which is an insane thing to do you never put all of your money in one place so they were sort of at the mercy of those trends and then um you know there's also a problem when one person and in this case the kind of awful peter teal uh who gave us jd vance and um he's just a terrible person Uh, He essentially started a run on this bank, which uh, led to the situation it finds itself in now. So um, hopefully Congress will revisit and reassess. um, And, you know, there's some Democrats on the hook for this too, uh, or former Democrats like, uh, what's her name? Kristen Sinema. And um, hopefully they'll, learned the lesson, but <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. Okay, um, from Iris in Portland, Oregon, or Oregon, I don't know. I'm from the Northeast, we say Oregon. Uh, Donald is dominating the polls for the primary. Should we be happy the Republicans are leaning towards a losing and compromised candidate? Well, I said this back in 2016. After he got the Republican nomination, the fact that Donald Trump has a greater than zero percent chance of getting into the White House is not just I it's terrifying and unacceptable. Uh, And he has a better chance now. I know that sounds bizarre, but uh, he has a better chance now than he did then. Um, at least in terms of uh, his base of support, which is <laughs> only grown. Uh, so I don't I don't think we should be happy that uh, any Republican has a chance of being in the White House because they're all authoritarians, They're all fascists, and they all are anti-democratic. Um, ideologues, well, Donald's not an ideologue, but you know people like Yunkin and DeSantis and Abbott—they're all ideologues whose goal it is to is to uh, basically turn this country into some version of a theocratic apartheid state and solidify their power and minority rule. I, you know, and and the system is completely rigged in their favor with the electoral college and the filibuster, et cetera. So, I mean. I don't know, actually, that, I mean, they certainly don't see him, the the base certainly doesn't see him as compromised and as a a loser, right? In fact, you know, because it's taken so long for him to be indicted, which is to say because he hasn't been indicted yet, you know, think about that. We are over two years out from January 6th. the the first that we are over two years, almost two and a half years out from the election interference in Georgia, and it's not alleged because I heard the audio tape. Okay, um, I don't even know how many years are we years we are out from the uh, financial. Sorry, the elections fraud he committed by writing Stormy Daniels a hundred and thirty thousand dollars check. That might be the first thing he gets indicted for. So um, it's been such a long time uh, that even if he is indicted, I think a lot of people on the left are going to be like, yeah, well, that's too long. And now he's never going to get prosecuted. Or even if he gets prosecuted, he's never going to get punished. And people on the right, I think it just strengthens him with his base. I think, you know, he would he would run he could run for the nomination from prison and still get it. Right. So uh, he will. Run on on his indictments, he will fundraise off of his indictments, it will prove what a a martyr he is to the cause, it will prove how uh what a witch hunt it is, it will prove all of the false narratives he's been telling about himself since he was two years old so uh no i don't i don't think we should be happy about anything having to do with uh the republican party and whoever their uh, presidential candidate ends up being uh from sorry let's see lost my spot From Michaela in Detroit, Michigan, uh, mainstream sources say we might be at over a trillion dollars annually for our defense budgets within a few years. Aren't there better things we should spend it on? What are they? Oh, my God. Uh, Let me count the the ways we could spend that money better. It's it's uh, this is, I think, an intractable intractable problem because there's never any debate ever about the defense budget. It goes up. Uh, seemingly exponentially every year, although it's probably arithmetically, but it goes up every year without question. There is never any attempt to um, look into waste. Uh, There is never any demand that the Defense Department turn a profit. Now think about that. The Post Office has to prove that it's Um, Profitable But no other Government agency does And you could argue that the post office Actually helps more people than The defense department does But a trillion dollars on defense Like I don't even know How many countries That equals In terms of defense spending It's something like the top 20 uh, Biggest spending countries on defense still don't even spend that much on defense. We're not at war anymore last I checked. Like I guess you could have made the argument that all right, we're at war in Iraq, we're at war in Afghanistan. Uh that's expensive. But you would think that we're not at war, so you can cut the defense budget. Nope, they raised it again. And Democrats are as much to blame. And I think it's because in this this country is so punitive. This country is so um averse to figuring out other ways to solve problems. Like, that's why we have such a problem... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, reforming our uh, police. You know, we just... We can't figure out how to do anything other than throw more weapons at a problem, right? Uh, I, I mean, with that amount of money, we could give everybody health care. We could pay off uh, school lunch debt, which is a, is a thing that should not exist in the world's richest country. I mean, that's just something that's shameful. Um, we could completely fix our infrastructure. We could, Oh my God, on and on and on and on improve our public education system, improve our, our, uh, the way we, um, treat veterans. Um, The list is endless, but here's the thing that's kind of depressing. Let's say that they did cut $200 billion or whatever from the defense budget. It's not going to go to any of those things. I just list it, most likely. So, you know, if a Republican's in power, it'll go to pay, it'll it'll go to cut uh, the taxes of uh, the ultra wealthy. Um, But I would like to see somebody In a position to do so have that debate the next time uh there's a budget discussion because it's very very frustrating um from erica in austin texas should people boycott companies like walgreens that are giving into the whims of the far rights war on women are there other ways to fight back against their war on us i don't i have to be honest i'm not really sure i feel about boycotts um i don't know if they work necessarily Um, I mean, I know that as an individual human being, I will never step foot in Walgreens again. Um, so I guess that is a very tiny boycott. Um, I think that, uh, I, I personally don't think that people should shop there anymore. I don't know that we need to organize a boycott. Um, and I th- you know obviously the simplest solution is the hardest one and that's to um make sure we stop electing people who uh want women and pregnant people to have no rights over their own bodies. So that would be good. Um but in the meantime yes I I, I don't believe that a, a company that makes that kind of calculated political decision to withhold care health care from women even in places where it's legal and quite honestly well i don't know that's a different road to go down i don't think that they deserve my business so make of that what you will um From Javier in Chicago, Illinois, the personal is political. Shouldn't we be hearing more stor Oh, okay. Shouldn't we be hearing more stories from people Democratic policies are helping from our politicians? It all seems too cerebral. Yes. Welcome to my world. Uh, yeah, this is the problem. You ask a Republican a question, and they give you a forward bumper sticker slogan that you can't get out of your head ever. You ask a Democrat for a solution to a problem and you get a 30-page white paper in 11-point font. <laughs> so, yeah, stories, for whatever reason, Democrats just don't do narrative that well. Um, they need they need a, a director like they had for the January 6th committee. They really do. They need somebody to help them craft a story. And yes, I, I think, but but it has to be on on both ends of the spectrum. We need stories from people who are being helped by uh, whatever it's what's the um, Inflation Reduction Act. I forget it because it's like the the worst name of legislation I've ever heard. Pretty much, um, well, the Woke Act is pretty fl- flipping bad too. Um, we need stories from people who, you know, uh, trans people who were able to serve in the military and then weren't and then were again. We also need stories about uh, how how women are suffering in these almost 26 states now where abortion is going to be almost entirely illegal and punishable by death in some of them because we've lost our minds, right? So we need both. And I... I don't know, maybe, I I think I nominate uh, Jamie Raskin to be one of the spokespeople because he has a way with rhetoric um, and I think he has a way with people and I think he could actually, he could really, really dig deep in getting some of these stories out, but you know, he's busy. Um, But I could not agree more it's it's uh democrats are always fighting with one hand tied behind their back because republicans are just better at, at language uh which is kind of depressing i mean effective like slogany campaigning language um sorry i had a question and it just sort of disappeared Okay, from Paula in Tampa, Florida. Many of the Republican presidential candidates have come out against supporting democracy in Ukraine. Is this a key area to stand against them to show that we support democracy anywhere it tries to thrive, especially here at home? Boris Johnson, of all people, is horrified about the road, uh, by the road that American Republicans are going down vis-a-vis their lack of support for Ukraine. It's absolutely, I mean, from the outside it probably does look insane, but from our perspective, it makes perfect sense. They hate democracy. They absolutely hate democracy. The question is, why aren't they pressed to be specific, to be very specific about what exactly it is they're supporting? Right? Because if they call it a territorial dispute, then they just say, well, you know, Ukraine and Russia are the same. Uh, and, you know, that's that's code for being a supporter of Putin. Right? Right. Um, What what exactly are they supporting? He's a dictator. He is cruel. He has destroyed his country. He has destroyed his country's economy. Uh, He has people killed off all the time. And his army, at his behest, is committing war crimes. Crimes against humanity in a country he had absolutely no right to be in. This is an illegal war of aggression that has ended the lives of tens of thousands of Ukrainians, and for what? So um, yes, I think we need to make more of that. Okay, from Rachel in Brooklyn, New York. It needs to be addressed. Is Biden too old, 86 at the end of his term? At the very least, he needs a challenger to make sure his campaign is on point whose ideas do you want to see in the mix? Well, what's that expression? You go to war with the army you have or something. You go go to the uh, presidential campaign with the president you have, with the presidential candidate you have. And that right now is Joe Biden. And it's not that I don't understand the concern. Of course, I understand the concern. However, We knew how old he was when we voted for him in 2020. We assumed, I think, that he wasn't going to get younger. Right. Um, By challenging him, like Marianne Williamson is doing, and (laughs) Joe Manchin purportedly is planning to do, which is just hysterical. That makes his age an issue in the Democratic primary. And there should not be a Democratic primary because all that does, no matter how old or young you are, is weaken you. The reason George H.W. Bush was a one-term president is because, sorry, wrong, wrong president. The reason Jimmy Carter was a one-term president was because he got primaried by Teddy Kennedy in whatever year that was. Right? Um, George H.W. Bush was just a bad president. <laughs> I think that's, that's probably why he lost. So, uh, now, it's obviously a different issue if, if Biden decides not to run, but if he decides to run, we whether we like it or not, we don't have a choice. And let's, Let's just take a step back for a second. Yes, being being president is a grueling probably 24-hour day job, but he also has a lot of help. It's not like it it not it's not like the job requires running a marathon every day, right? Um somebody I know who is the laziest person on the planet did it for 4 years. <laughs> you know. Um and Biden's far from that. Uh he's fit. I uh, and, you know, let's be clear, his most likely um, what uh, opponent is only a couple of years younger and is in much worse shape. So to make it an issue for Biden before it's necessary, because, of course, the Republicans are, although, again, it's a little harder to do if Donald Trump is the guy you're running against or they're running against Biden, right? We need to rem- we need to focus on the fact that President Biden has been the best president in his first two years in my lifetime. And it's not just what he's accomplished, it's what he's managed to accomplish in the context of what he inherited. If you think about what how dangerously on the cliff edge this country was on january 20th 2021 think about it in january of that year over 5000 americans were dying every day from covid because biden's president predecessor actually believed that letting hundreds of thousands of americans die of covid was a better campaign strategy than bothering to save their lives The American economy was on the brink of a great recession, if not depression. American democracy was being challenged at every turn. January 6th, the the attempted insurrection of January 6th had just happened 15 days earlier. And still, look what this man has accomplished. The millions of jobs created. Stabilizing the economy uh despite record high inflation around the globe. I, I mean, yeah, it sucks that he's eighty, whatever, two, one, uh eighty. I guess I think he's eighty now. It sucks. I wish he were sixty. That would be better. But anybody who challenges him, first of all, that person can't win the nomination anyway. It's just not going to happen. All they can do is one, point out how fucking old Joe Biden is, and two, weaken him for the general election. And that's, you know, that's the way it goes because what's the the great tragic irony here is that that's kind of the only thing issue they can make of joe biden and they will make a big one out of it uh whereas for donald like the things that you would think are liabilities like all of his potential criminal uh problems and his legal trouble and potential indictments he's gonna wear those like a badge of honor and it's gonna help him oh well (laughs) uh let's see from Brandon in Reno, Nevada, Nevada, uh, or Nevada. I don't know. Again, Northeastern Northeaster. We say Nevada. Uh, Donald has filed an ethics complaint against the sentence. I love this. What is he thinking? Isn't this just asking for trouble given all we know about him? Of course not. Um, when has he ever suffered the consequences of his irresponsible actions? Never. And in fact, I mean, he was he was running a shadow campaign for a while himself, and that's the charge. He's charging that uh, DeSantis is essentially committing election fraud by running a campaign without announcing that he's running a campaign, which I guess allows him to benefit financially uh, in a way, like not have to to raise money without having to declare that money I think, um, and listen. This is this is another reason why uh, Donald will be the Republican nominee. He's going to destroy anybody who runs against him. He is the only person, and he knows it, who is left standing in these kinds of fights. That's why he got the he got the nomination in 2016 because. 17 or was it 16 people ran against him? That's he likes fighting multi front battles. It makes it so much easier in a crowd to pick off one person at a time. You would love it if DeSantis ran, if Yunkin ran, if Abbott ran, if <laughs> Lindsey Graham ran. That would be fun for me too. Um, Nikki Haley's running. You know, the bigger the field, the better for him, the meaner he can be. And he knows he can do these things with impunity because he always has. I mean, he's 76 or something and never, ever, ever been held accountable. Yes, he's had to pay some fines, but you think it's ever his money? I mean, we know for a fact that $10 million in legal, his legal fees have been paid out of money raised for his campaign or initially by the Republican National Committee. So, you know, it, it, it will be, if DeSantis is stupid enough to run, I personally think that, I mean, not that I want to help him because I think he's evil, but if if he's smart, he'll sit this one out and, and run in 2028 when the, the field is clear because all that will happen to him in this election cycle is Donald will destroy him in perpetuity. So, you know, Ron, if you're listening, (laughs) actually the chances that he's listening to this are greater than the chances that he can survive a primary against Donald. Um, Oh, I think that that brings us to the end of the show. Um, these are great questions. There are actually a lot more really good questions. that I'm very sorry I couldn't get to. But uh, I really love having the chance to um, go deep with with some of... In answering some of what's your, on your mind. Um, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Um, we will be back uh, tomorrow for House of Horrors. Um... My friend and fellow Nerd nerd adventurer Dino Badala will be with me to uh, walk through the House of Horrors with the Funhouse Mirrors. Um, And that's at uh, 12 Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific at YouTube.com slash We will, of course, be back on Tuesday with the Nerd Avengers. Also at 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific youtube.com slash politicon and we're, we're back next thursday for a regular show um and we're gonna have a great guest so that's at 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific at youtube.com slash politicon and while you are at the politicon youtube page uh you and you're not watching the show live you can um you can leave a comment You can like the episode, which we appreciate, and you can ring that bell right there uh, to subscribe to to Politicon, and it doesn't cost anything, but it is a really good way to keep up um, with the videos that drop. You will be alerted every time that happens, and of course, you can listen to all the shows in a podcast form at Apple or anywhere else you listen except I have to remind you once in a while, not um, Spotify. Uh, That is it. Thank you so, so much for being here and for your questions, which were awesome. And I will see you tomorrow at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please stay safe and be kind.